All right. Hey, Billy Rainford here for Direct Motocross. We've got uh, a little podcast interview with uh, man, a man who has uh, been there, done that in our sport here in Canada, that's for sure. Talking about uh, Carl Bastido and man, his latest uh, latest adventure was our trip over to uh, Mantova Motocross in Italy for the Motocross of Nations. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, how that whole thing came together and how it went. Carl, thank you very much for uh, chatting with us here. Yeah, no problem, Billy. Yeah, uh, now that was... Uh, you know, a pretty uh, a pretty quick in and out trip there for us over to Italy, which uh, man, I thought um, things went pretty cool. But let's uh, let's back it up a little bit. I mean, these things don't just uh, fall together here. So, uh, quite the program to get it all together here and stuff like that. Talk about. Um, did you know that you wanted to take the uh, reins and get a, take another run at the uh, Motocross of Nations team for Canada? Well, it was basically the same situation that we had in two thousand four. Uh, when I kind of rebooted the uh, the Nations uh, visit. Uh, the Motocross of Nations has always been very, very important to me. I've always felt it was uh, a, a possible potential stepping stone for Canadian riders. Uh, and uh, in 2002, 2003, um, Canada failed to send a team. The, uh, the industry wasn't behind it very much, and basically the team that they had named, uh, which included Darcy Lange and... Uh, a couple of the guys uh, got canceled at Walton in 2002. So uh, basically, uh, coming up to 2004, uh, it didn't look as if Canada was going to be sending a team. So I basically said to the CMA, uh, you know, look, I want you guys to step aside, uh, enter the team, because they're the only people that can enter the team. And I want to take a team to the Motocross of Nations. And that, that year... It was in Lirop, the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, the motocross of nations had been uh, kind of dying off a little bit. It didn't have the importance that it used to have. Uh, and But I thought, you know, I'm going to go to 2004 motocross of nations in Lirop and see what happens. We took uh, we took Dusty Klatt and uh, John Sebastian Waugh and uh, Blair Morgan. Blair Morgan was on the Yamaha and the other two were on the Hondas. Uh, we had a very successful event. Uh, I worked a bit with John Vandenberg, who we, a former world champion who we've had here at Moto Park uh, doing some uh, motocross camps. And basically, he, he had his rig there, supplied his rig, and uh, we ended up with uh, eighth place overall, which was the best that Canada had ever done uh, up until then and up until now, as a matter of fact, right. uh, Blair Morgan, uh, Blair Morgan was the team leader and, uh, did an incredible job, uh, for this. So, uh, that, that sort of rebooted the whole effort. And right after that, in 2005, in, uh, in, uh, Ernay, France, uh, Ricky Carmichael got on the bandwagon big time and, uh, really started to push for the U S to get back involved with the motocross of nations. And, uh, that, that whole scenario, 2005, probably was the relaunch, you might say, of the importance of the Motocross of Nations. So then fast forward to uh, 2019, and basically Canada failed to send a team. There was talk of boycott, yada, yada, yada. And, uh, you know, that disappointed me very much. And uh, then in 2020, of course, COVID hit, which uh, uh, Canada didn't look like Canada was going to send a team anyhow, but... Uh, but that kind of put the kibosh to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then we rolled into 2021, and I said, whoa, hey, you know, we gotta, we got to try to make this happen. Um, it's my, uh, 
my favorite event, and uh, I really want to try to make it happen. And basically, uh, that that started the whole uh, process. Okay, so uh, when are we talking here? Because I know um, you know naming riders and stuff like that obviously takes time, and getting everything put together to get the guys over there and their equipment and everything. When did you uh, kind of start putting that uh, the wheels really in motion to make this actually happen? Uh, well, I had a contact in Germany, uh, Oscar Zemmer, who had helped us quite a bit when we went to uh, Tuschen, whatever it's called, in G- Germany for the uh, for the nations in 2010, or, or no, 2009, uh, 2012, actually, 2012. Yeah, yeah 2012, and uh, basically he had arranged for a big team to help us there uh, with our pit presence, and so I called him and said, hey, we're coming back to... Uh, to Italy for the nations, and uh, I, I want to get a good team to help us uh, to be our pit presence and to receive the bikes when we ship them over and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he got the uh, SM uh, racing uh, team, the uh, gas gas team in Italy, uh, to, uh, to to do all that for us, and uh, it worked out very well. Um, I basically had uh, I had talked to. Uh, Marilyn, of course, prior to uh, doing the the nations, but uh, she had that tragic stroke. Uh, so I uh, then dealt with the rest of the uh, CMA people, and uh, they were perfectly willing to uh, put the team's name forward and arrange for their licenses and everything. Uh, yeah, and we just kind of went from there. Okay, now how... How was it for um, getting our riders? I mean, it's pretty cool that we were actually able to get our uh, 250 and 450 motocross champions there. I'm talking about, of course, Jake Piccolo and Dylan Wright. Uh, and then having, you know, what we're calling now the new uh, Captain Canada, Tyler Medallia there. So talk about uh, getting the riders together. I mean, I know um, obviously there's obviously more things involved, always trying to get uh, riders availability and stuff like that. So how did it come together to get those three guys? Yeah, I thought I would have a lot more trouble getting the riders than I did. Uh, Tyler jumped on board right away, and <laughs> he was sort of our, our anchor. Uh, he was going to the ISDE as it was, so uh, and he's always been a big supporter of the of the motocross of nations. And basically, he's kind of like uh, the the, uh, the the anchor, you might say, of the team. And he was a tremendous help to all the riders over there. He was a, a great help, as you know. You were there. You saw some of the stuff that went on and they learned a lot from Tyler and uh, want to thank him for uh, kind of doing the job that he did. Uh, he was disappointed with his results and his sore shoulder and, and, the, and the mud, but uh, yeah, he, he did what he needed to do. Uh, so uh, basically I uh, contact, I, I wanted to kind of, I had Tyler from the Maritimes. I wanted to try and spread it across uh, the country a little bit. And uh, I had wanted uh, Jess Pettis to be our, our MX1 rider. Uh, and, of course, he got injured. Uh, I had spoken with, uh, with uh, Derek at Gopher Dunes about, uh, about Dylan prior to uh, deciding on Jess. And uh, when Jess uh, got injured, uh, uh, Dylan hopped on board and, and took over that position. Uh, Jacob, uh, I just thought it would be really cool to have a, this was just before he was the, the actual champion. I just thought it would be really cool to have a, a younger rider and, uh, from BC. And, uh, basically I talked, 
to uh, the Sky Racing people, uh, and uh, they were all for it, and that that kind of got the thing going to uh, to have him on on the team. Okay, and it's funny, like what you say about uh, you think it's a nice stepping stone for uh, for the riders, a possible stepping stone. I mean, obviously, what, what's uh, what this has turned into for Dylan Wright? He's heading over there to uh, to ride the final few uh, MXGPs and uh, Dil, uh, sorry, Jake Piccolo was turning heads and everybody already knew Tyler Medallia. Uh, I mean, I think it, um, like you said, I think it just did open the eyes to the fact that, uh, hey, we're Canada, we're over here racing too, we got some top riders and now there's interest, right? Yeah, it was very important and the FIM were extremely happy that we uh, made the effort to go. I, I called it, as you know, I called it the Against All Odds Tour right. uh, be, be, because there were uh, there were so many little logistical obstacles to overcome, uh, but all the guys did a great job of, uh, of doing their paperwork and doing everything properly. Uh, the team we had over there, the SM Racing team, was just fantastic. Uh, I don't know what we would have done without them. Uh but it's always important to have that pit presence, uh, that proper pit presence at an event like the Nations. Um, so, yeah, everybody uh, got together and they did a great job. Right, right. And it was interesting because our, our pit, and it just, yeah, let me just also uh, add in there too. Thank you very much to the uh, SM Action uh, team there. That was, they made us, it, it felt like, uh, like it really felt like we're, they were with us the whole time. I mean, you know what I mean? They felt like part of the team. They were great. Like the food spread was amazing. The guys that were just, they were filling the tanks. They were working on the bikes. They were uh, the guys jumped right in. Yes, for sure. I uh, wanted to make sure. Uh, initially, what happened was that uh, uh, Dan Piccolo asked me to get a mechanic over there for uh, Jacob, uh, and that that was part of our deal that we made with the SM Action Racing team. And then at the last minute, uh, he decided that Scott Donkersgood uh, uh, would be the mechanic for Jacob, which uh, I thought was great. Uh, Scott did a great job. So uh, basically, we had that other, uh, we had that spare mechanic there, and thank goodness we did because there were a lot of little things that he, you know, he knew about the rig and he knew about where the tools were and he knew everything and uh, and and knew, of course, they're racing in Europe. So uh, that was a big help. All right, for sure, for sure, and uh, and the food spread was just fantastic. I mean, we were in there just totally taken care of, and it was also interesting because for me, obviously, I, I was there as the media guy. And the media tent was directly across from our pit, and we were the only, we were the only team right there. So it was amazing that I don't know if we should tell them or not, but uh, we all had uh, yeah, Wi-Fi. Well, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I talked to Foxy, uh, who is the guy who decides where everybody goes, the the FIM guy who decides where all the camping is. Told him Canada was coming, and that uh, as he knows from me from the past, I I like to have a good spot. <laughs> so he. Uh, so rather than tell me to take a walk, he uh, he basically made sure we had a good spot. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, that was that was it was incredible, and it was such a such a key to the experience too. I mean, if we were on the other side, it just would have been a whole different experience. I mean, like I say, I uh, I gave out the password to everybody, so we all had Wi-Fi and stuff. But and it was what was really cool too was that we were by an exit entrance. And so when people would be coming in and out of the track, if they were headed that way, I mean, it was so many people. Like we were saying came by and, and we're always, a lot of them were so thrilled with uh, the riding of Jake Piccolo and the style of him and stuff like that. So, so many guys are coming by and just kind of talking about it, like from all different parts of, uh, of the world. Yeah, it's really amazing how the spectators picked up on, on both Dylan and Jake. Uh, 
they 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 uh, they're very uh, educated in the sport, and they they watched and they saw what was happening, and they they made comments, you know. Yeah, yeah, they really did. Like when we were there. Like I know Zeb in that uh, in the long uh, video we put up there on on the site there and stuff, just uh, when we were there late because uh, Donk was doing some late work on the bike and stuff like that, and riders would come by from uh, you know next thing you know five minutes later a different accent would come by and guys would be talking about oh Piccolo Dylan Wright it was it was, uh, it was really cool to see. Yeah, it really was. I'm uh, really looking forward to uh, future events. Yeah. Now, um, are we? How, how, as far as uh, I mean, these things don't uh, happen for free either. How are we doing for funding and everything? How did uh, how's the pocketbook looking for the whole thing? Uh, you know, um, there's been so much animosity lately in Canada in the last couple of years over something like the MXON. I, I just didn't even bother uh, asking for anything. Um, I just wanted to make sure this this happened, uh, oh. get it together, and. Uh, I, I'm hearing that there is some uh, some good news coming out of the industry. They're uh, they're talking to the CMA. They're working together on the. Uh, I know they did something with the Scottish uh, six day trial. Um, so hopefully next year we're all back together and uh, and uh, things will be we'll all be back together and things will be better. Right now, what you're alluding to there, of course, is that is it the MMIC, MMC? There, the they did get together with the CMA and backed the team for that uh, the trials donations this year. So we're hoping that trickles over into the other uh, areas, other uh, disciplines of the sport, right? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they will. Uh, I think what's going to happen is uh, the industry is going to be part of the board of directors of the CMA, and the CMA are cooperating with them, and they're cooperating with the CMA and. Uh, I think we're entering a new uh, a new era here. Come twenty twenty two, I think it's going to happen pretty quickly. Okay, excellent. Well, of course, I wanted to ask you about. Uh, well, I, let's let's talk about. I mean, you had well, Zeb Dennis was his official title, assistant manager. That's what I put him as. But uh, talk about Zeb. I mean, he uh, he handled an awful lot of the load there as well, and uh, and took care of a lot of the stuff for, for us over there. Yeah, I, I, he is my uh, rider, my right hand when I go to stuff like that. My rider liaison. I mean, the riders don't want to talk to an old man. Uh, basically, Zeb uh, kind of talked to the riders and uh, and the mechanics and keeps all that together um, and does a great job. And uh, I like to have uh, somebody going along anyhow uh, when I take these trips. So it worked out great. He did a great job. Right, right. And he was our, he was our driver, too. Uh, he drove us around. <laughs> Yes, uh, you know, it's, it's it's kind of funny. He was kind of shocked when I said to him, uh, by the way, I want you to rent the car when we go to Italy. And he said, well, what do you mean? He said, you you, you always rent the car. And I said, well, you know, at my age, uh, Zep, they don't let me rent a car anymore. <laughs> or, or if they do, uh, I got to pay a big uh, big fee for insurance. So, right. Uh, yeah, so he... he uh, and I, I've been known to have a problem driving standard uh cars i mean i can i certainly can i go to all my life but uh I'm, I'm not that good at it and uh and uh, so i but but i did make sure i got an automatic there in case i had to i had to hop in which i did once or twice yeah i think these days carl it would be more difficult to actually get a standard car than it is to get an automatic <laughs> you'd have to ask for an auto, a standard i think <laughs> well not not in europe oh okay it's Oh, oh yeah, no, they're all they're all standard. Uh, <laughs> you have to go upgrade a little bit to get the uh, to get the automatic. Ah, uh, right. I I had uh, I rented a car as well, and it just sat in the hotel the whole week. <laughs> oh, 
you 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 had rented a car? Yeah, yeah, we had that one that sat in that little, in the, uh, yeah, in that parking lot, that crazy parking lot at that hotel. Yeah, that that was an experience, wasn't it? Yeah, that was pretty funny when I asked you, "Hey, Carl, where is the uh, where is the parking for this?" And you just said, "Call the guy at the desk, and you're gonna you're gonna enjoy this." I'm like, "Oh boy, here we go." <laughs> and uh, you know, a few of the people who had, who were to Europe for the first time uh, were a bit uh, taken aback by the rooms with those uh, two foot wide beds. And <laughs> yeah, two foot wide, three foot long. I like from my knees down, we're hanging off the bottom. <laughs> Yeah, Europe is quite quite different. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, I also plugged in my um, <clears throat> plugged in my camera stuff to charge up and everything, and I blew the fuse for the entire for the entire floor. And Derek was waiting for us to go out to uh, have a bite to eat, and he thought, "What oh. is it? Is the uh, is the electricity on a timer?" He thought that he. I said, "No, I blew the I blew the circuit breaker." <laughs> yeah, was what you didn't have one of those adapters? I did. I had like four of them, but the one I had was a little bit too high tech, cheap high tech, and it. Uh, it, uh, it shorted the whole damn thing out. Oh, gee. Yeah. <laughs> they fixed it quickly. But, well, let's, uh, Carl, before we let you go here, I mean, um, as a, overall as a team, as the individual riders, I don't know how you want to do it, as the whole thing, but well, what were your thoughts? I mean, obviously the results, I mean, like I said with, uh, you know, kind of Zeb in the, in the interview, the video there, that, uh, I mean, mud, of course, anything can happen. And unfortunately, we it didn't happen in the greatest way for us. We kind of ended up struggling a little bit. So, I mean, what would you say for the overall experience and the riders, how they did, their performances and things like that? Well, on Saturday, we were more than pumped. I mean, we were, we were, we were thinking, you know, sixth or seventh place. We were, we were all very excited and thought everything was great. Then, then the rains came and, you know, I mean, I must say I've been through this before and, uh, it was, it was, it was kind of disappointing, uh, that we, that the, the guys couldn't show their true, uh, you know how well they could really do. Uh, that was that was a disappointing part. Um, but you know, I mean, we got the, we we finished. We were 14th. We wanted. We were we were like two points out of 10th. It was just uh, it was that close. It was very very close. I think in the last moto, right at the very end, when uh, when Dylan had that big get off, uh, had he not had that big get off, we probably would have came 10th place. But. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was tight all the way. As you know, the top three were only one point apart, which is amazing. Um, so, yeah, disappointed with the rain, but everything else was so good that uh, kind of made up for it. Just to have one bad day like that. Right, for sure. Now, with uh, yeah, like you say, it was thirty-seven, thirty-eight, thirty-nine points for the uh, one-two-three overall. With Italy taking it, which kind of a Cinderella story for uh, Antonio Caroli. But then, uh, I mean, everything kind of. Aside from Team Canada part there with the, you know, the, the, the problems that we had, whatever kind of thing. But, uh, I mean, it was kind of a, the, like I say, the Cinderella story for him. And then uh, with Hurlings just kind of dominating by 50, 55 seconds. Uh, what, was, what, what stands out as kind of the performance of the weekend for you or kind of a highlight of, of the trip? Well, it was just amazing watching those guys, uh, Hurlings and Caroli. You know, they, they navigate around and practice or in qualifying. And you think, well, they're, you know, in sixth or seventh place or whatever and then all of a sudden uh as they get uh, three or four laps from the end they just seem to crank it up and uh it's just amazing to watch them uh, and the different lines that they all had man there were there were so many different lines in the corners i couldn't believe it and uh the highlight of the weekend for me was uh both uh dylan and jake's performance uh on the uh 
in the, in the qualifying and in practice. I mean, at first, at first when I saw them out front in practice, I thought, oh, God, here goes Canada. We're going to win practice. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then I started to look at the, uh, the, the timing, and I thought, holy geez, like, he's ahead of Caroli. Like, you know, after five or six laps in, you know, and, and uh, uh, Dylan was just uh, ended up being in sixth uh, overall there in the, in, the, in the timing. And I thought, man, yeah, they, they should have been out front. They deserve to be out there. You know, these guys are beating a lot of regular Grand Prix riders. And that basically is the is the whole point of uh, for me of going to the nations and showing the uh, the Euros what we got here uh, and the fact that Dylan got that GP ride is probably the absolute uh, highlight of the weekend for me. We were just I was just so happy when uh, when we heard that. Uh, probably going to go to the last two rounds, which are in Man- back in Manitoba. I'm probably going to head there uh, November. I think it's November seven or eight type thing, and what they're doing, they're they're because of COVID, they're making up some some time. Uh, they you know they have so many rounds they have to do, so they're running uh, one race on the Sunday, and then they're running their final round on the Wednesday. Right. Uh, and both are at the Manitoba track, so uh, it'll be sort of like going back home, seeing all the guys from SM racing, and uh, he's with a different team. He's with the Honda. 114 team or 141 team whatever it's called uh they're an italian team but they're based out of france and uh, that's who he'll be riding for right right they're doing they're calling it five rounds at the end but it's only in the two uh the two different locations in italy kind of thing so it's uh interesting the way they're doing it but they're getting them they're getting all the rounds in for sure so yeah anyway, it's just... well it's, uh, it's it's the same kind of thing u.s did with supercross last year right you know like uh just stay there and run around a couple days later and it's all because of COVID, all just to get through that uh, that mess that uh, it has created. You, you know the what, the hoops that we had to jump through all the time, right. <laughs> coming home and all kinds of things. But uh, anyhow, we did it. Excellent, Carl. Well, uh, okay, so the future, um, if we were to crystal ball looking forward to 2022, I guess we're coming back to Red Bud. Now, does that make, it, uh, does that make things easier for the team to get there? I mean, I guess obviously it does, but... Uh, Looking ahead, what uh, what can we expect for next season if uh, if everything went your way? Well, I mean, it's going to be a walk in the park, obviously, to go to go to some place like Redbud. Our biggest challenge will be dealing with uh, the numbers of people <laughs> that want to be part of the team. Uh, you know, I, I as you know, I like to really restrict it to the uh, the riders and the mechanics and maybe you know wives or family maybe, but. Uh, I, I like to reduce the numbers as much as possible under the tent because right. everybody it's 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 sort of like you got to entertain everybody and I don't want to do that. So, uh, but we'll be there and uh, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Really, yeah, it's going to be a lot. It's it's as I say, it's a walk in the park compared to going to Europe. Right, for sure, for sure. Well, let's let's all just cross our fingers for a. <laughs> we would have thought we'd had a dry one there last time at Red, but, but of course we did not. So uh, let's. Uh, I think we're due for a dry one here. Hopefully. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you made it home. How was your your flight home? Everything went smoothly for you. You didn't have any hiccups. Uh, well, we had uh, we had a delay. I went with uh, with Scott and Zeb. The three of us traveled together, and basically. Uh, uh, the plane leaving Paris was uh, two hours late, so when we arrived in uh, Montreal, uh, the plane had already left, so we had to stay overnight in Montreal. 
um, and then uh, come back at like I think we got a seven a.m. flight the next morning, which which when all was said and done was just fine. You, you know, we we got a bit of a break. We got to have a good rest and uh, get cleaned up and everything, and and then uh, basically we flew back uh, seven a.m. Uh, Saturday morning. I was back here at the park, or uh, Tuesday morning, I guess it was. I was back here at the park by uh, by noon. Okay. And of course, we had the uh, Motor Park Cup uh, come up just last weekend, and uh, I can't believe that the rain that went everywhere missed us, but it missed us, and we had a great event. Everybody was really happy, so now we're sort of on cruise control. Uh, Bike Face, our shop, our bicycle store is having a great sale this month, the Bicycle Blowout. As you know, I ran the Bicycle Blowout sale in Toronto for uh, 32 years, and basically there's no more shows so uh we're doing a bicycle blowout sale at bike face uh giving 20 percent off all the bikes and we have lots of bikes in stock as uh most shops don't we have lots now that's right in so, owen sound so there's, there's there's a little plug if anybody wants a bicycle give the shop a call well, well sure I, but why not right and that's uh, we're talking bike face in uh, in owen sound what kind of i know zeb is obviously a, a bmx freestyle guy what uh, what other kind of bikes do you have in there Oh, we have all we have uh, a lot of electric bikes. We have mountain bikes, hybrids, uh, oh, okay. cruisers. Uh, uh, we do have BMX bikes. We have uh, everything you can imagine, and uh, it's going very well. We're very happy with how things are going. You see, we started that because of what we're doing here at Moto Park. As you know, we've turned our trails into mountain bike trails. We built that uh, BMX uh, track. Um, all thinking about the future, what's going to happen in the future with motorcycles and uh, bicycles are getting are becoming stronger. I just read today that uh, Kawasaki are going to stop making uh, are only going to make electric bikes by 2035. Uh, so basically, what's going to happen to all our tracks, etc. So we've got to prepare for that. And uh, I know in Europe right now they're running uh, the e-bike e e-motorcycle, not not just e-bicycle, but e-motorcycle races uh, are happening all the time, just as they are in Formula One. Right. Um, you know, Formula E uh, is just something that everybody's heading towards. Well, uh, I think we'll still be around and we'll still be doing our thing, but uh, just something that we've got to prepare for. Yeah, I mean, like it or not, I mean, obviously that's a whole different conversation, but uh, like it or not, it's coming. And uh, I mean, if you're not prepared, you're going to get left behind, right? So that's obviously why you're having some good uh, forethought for that. Yeah, and that's why we're doing all the stuff that we're doing with uh, mountain bikes and BMX and uh, all, all, you know, eventually we'll be, but like they run the e-bike, e e-motorcycle races in, in Europe, the FIM have a whole series going, so that'll that'll come here eventually, it'll come as a class, they even had a class for it at Loretta Lynn's last year, right. uh, uh, an e-bike class, so it's coming and we'll, uh, we'll uh, change with the times, I guess. Right. Okay. Hey, just uh, just real quickly, there. You mentioned, uh, of course, the uh, your final uh, Moto Cup races there. Uh, how did how did it all go? How did your the turnout go? I was uh, obviously it was Thanksgiving weekend, so you know it was kind of busy. I took a bit of a holiday, to be honest with you, the past little week. So I'm kind of getting back at it here, uh, full full swing starting this week again. But uh, how did how did it all go? You mentioned uh, the rain missed you, man. It didn't miss us down here. Yeah. No. I mean. It, it, the, the track couldn't have been better. We got tremendous comments on the track, uh, and uh, just the whole whole weekend went great. Our numbers were down from what they have been earlier in the year. We had uh, we averaged uh, 600 entries at our 
first uh, our first cup event. Uh, that was actually that's actually too many. I, <laughs> I really didn't want to have six six hundred per day. I, I, I didn't want to have six hundred per day. Uh, we ended up with about three fifty per day, which uh, was very manageable and we could handle it. Um, you know, in the four hundred. And anytime you go over 400, I think it affects the overall uh, the overall day from a length of motos right. and just length of day and everything. I'd, uh, I'm, I'm quite happy with 400, 400 entries on a, on, a, on a race day. Nice. All right, Carl. Well, uh, I know uh, in uh, eight days or so here we'll be doing the Yamaha test day. Greg Poisson will be up there at your track there riding some of the new Yamahas. So that, uh, that's one thing on the horizon up there at Motor Park as well. Yeah, that's October twenty. We yeah. have uh, we have three more uh, three more weekends this year, and then we're closing on the thirty first, which is a Sunday, the thirty first mm-hmm. uh, for the year. We've uh, we did a lot of uh, a lot of work, to, a lot of capital expansion this spring, and we're going to be doing some more this fall. Uh, and uh, getting the park ready for next year, we've got uh, we've now got like fifty service sites, so uh, yeah. that's something to handle. 50? It's almost wow. like a real yeah, it's almost like a real campground. And, and and the people are camping like a lot of people are camping and staying here for the summer and maybe going away once or twice but uh yeah it's working out very well well that's great man it's uh again motor park obviously is, is motor park the longest standing uh place in canada facility i i i think it is you hear all kinds of uh other people whatever uh january <laughs> 1972 is when uh when we bought the park, uh, basically, um, and called it Moto Park, uh, the first event here was a ISDE qualifier, and that was uh, in 1972, I believe, yeah. June. And Jeff Smith won that, who <clears throat> was a former world champion who was uh, sent over here, or came over, uh, brought over by Bombardier to build the, uh, help build the Can-Am. Wow. And so that was quite a historical uh historical note for for motor park the still city riders club did have a few few club events here earlier in the year in 72 so next year's our 50th anniversary 2022 oh, cool. i guess technically you could have said it was this year but right. uh 1972 2022 sounds good yeah exactly uh, yeah it's funny how that works we'll have the good uh, the nice t-shirts done up for that <laughs> Okay, Carl. Well, well, well. Thank you very much for taking the time with us. I know, uh, I know, you got to get down to your bike sale there, bike face and stuff. But before we let you go, I mean, we always ask people if they want to thank some people. But uh, I mean, uh, do you want to thank anyone for that uh, whole motocross of nations trip or anyone else before we let you go? Well, of course, the whole team that was there, uh, Zeb and the riders, the mechanics. I mean, there's just uh, probably 15 people to thank uh, yourself for uh, helping get the word out uh, when we were over there. Um, the, uh, yeah, just, uh, the group Oscar, uh, for coming down the SM racing team was fantastic, uh, as, as our support and, uh, yeah, it was a great event. All right, Carl. Well, again, thank you very much for taking the time. And, uh, I guess we will now look forward to, uh, the 2022 event. So thank you very much for chatting with us and we'll, we'll talk to you sometime soon. Yeah. We're already in the planning stage for 2022. (laughs) (laughs) All right, excellent. Thanks a lot, Carl. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.